Hi guys, this is Daniel from Televised Heroics, uh, here with a very special episode. So excited to bring these two guests on the show. But before we get started, I just want to go ahead and say thank you so much, Silver Star Comics, located in Tempe, Arizona, for letting us use your space. And also, if any of you guys are in the area, um, come check out the store. You can definitely come down on Sundays, and you can play Super Smash Brothers from 2 to 8 p.m., so, you know, if you guys are awesome and kick ass at that, join in. Monday nights, they host Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, which is a card game. Yeah, I'm surprised that that survived so long. I'm 25. That show came out when I was about 8 or 9, so you guys do the math. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, they, they actually do Pokemon. Um, so if you have a 3D or, a th- uh, I'm sorry, a 3DS or a Nintendo DS, come on by, play that. Trade Pokemon. All that good stuff. And then the most exciting day of the week, Wednesdays, new comic book day. So if you know you have some comics that you want to go ahead and read, uh, you want to be the first one to know about them, come here on Wednesdays and get them. And then on Fridays, they do tabletops once again. And this happens to be Magic the Gathering from 7 to 10 p.m. So if you have a badass deck or if you have a rooster uh, that plays, you know, magic, and you call them chicken nuggets, bring them by, see if you can kick some get, uh, some ass. And then on Saturdays, uh, to end the week, they do host Pokemon Night, and which is uh, the card game again, and that's from 6 to 9.30 p.m. And now, um, without further ado, I do have Susie, and they do have Fernando. Hello. So, guys, I'm so excited to have you here, and um, especially because you have this comic book out, which is called The Mark of Kings. Yes. What can you guys tell us about it? It's about an ex-priest who has to find the secret heir to the vampire kingdom in order to stop a centuries-old war between the Vatican, the vampires, and the military. And it's the first of four issues. And it takes place everything. Yes. Which, actually, I was surprised when I popped up, maybe it was the second or third page, I was like, oh, wow, Phoenix, Arizona. Holy crap, they're keeping it local. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm, one of my theories is that, Washington, one of my little pet peeves is that, um, why do all the interesting stories always have to happen in L.A., New York? You know, it's, I don't mean, anything like that could happen in any type of town. Plus, there's also a reason why I have Phoenix. Yes. So, but I mean, it's vampires, so don't they have that issue with the sun since sun doesn't set till about 8 p.m. here? <laughs> well, the, the nice thing about our mythology, and, and vampires in general are very enduring, and there's different takes on them. So Fernando's take on the vampires isn't with the sun that they go mm-hmm. Yeah, and but also, you know, um, I don't want to give anything away, but there's also a reason why it's speaking of the sun. Because it's local book. Why it's speaking of Yeah, and our, our vampires aren't going to... Um, they get a bad sunburn. They're weaker in the sun. They have to um, only stay in the sun for a short period of time. So it's not that bad for them here. Yep, and they even reference that in the comic. Mm-hmm. You know, they do some other extraordinary things that normal vampires can't do, like they eat garlic, they put yeah. on their pizza. Yeah, yeah exactly. They don't sparkle. Yeah, <laughs> no. Actually, so it's a, it's a fun spin, we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, it was very, very good read, and that was okay. a very good setup because I know it's uh, four issues, so you guys have to cram whatever you can. But mm-hmm. I know that you guys will obviously portray it pretty fully in all the other issues. 
start yeah. the story in the first issue, and then you know we're gonna have our little climax in the middle, and then mm-hmm. our end. Exactly. Yeah, and we have we've got them spaced out already. Mm-hmm. We wrote them first, so we wanted to make sure we didn't get to issue three and something contradictory. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what um you know what normally goes through the whole writing process? Um, well, for this, this actually started as a, a screenplay that I submitted in for the Disney Fellowship about uh, seven, eight years ago, um, and didn't even know the format for comics. Um, it was later on when we talked to a talent agency, and they uh, suggested that we turn this into a comic book graphic novel. So we started looking at that one, because we're primarily screenwriters totally different format than that in the comic. But we both like comics, so... Yeah. Exactly. And so I talked to uh, a friend of ours who had actually uh, put out a comic. He sent me what his format looked like, so we took a look at it. We're like, oh, hey, so this is it. And then, you know, took a shot at it, and here we are. Yeah, we went to some panels. We did some research. It's a very specific format, like screenwriting. Um, and it was really interesting to us. It's hard to tell a story... You know, six panels per page, 20 words per bubble, three bubbles per panel. Um, you've got to really make it concise and uh, it has to be visually stimulating. Right, especially with all the action scenes that you guys have going on. You know, obviously one panel is going to be huge because something just happened here and then it's going to go to the next one. So, you know, when it came to just getting down and writing all the action scenes, um, how were you like, okay, this needs to happen here? But they need to say this at this precise moment so it makes sense and goes with the flow of the story. Yeah, we basically locked ourselves in a hotel room. Yeah, called it our million dollar week. Yeah, <laughs> with with the with an outline and sat down and um, hashed it out. We just um, we went through it and we went through it and we um, basically until we could get it to where we wanted it. Exactly, when like the number of pages per the issue. Okay, then we were gonna have the final page be a certain scene. And the last panel go ahead and reflect a certain, you know, scene on that. That way it will be it's lifting. So once again, this is coming from a screenplay, so we had to, you know, cram 90, 120 minutes into, you know, four issues. Which... And we tried to get each the end of each page is a little cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was fun, but it was a learning process. Exactly. What would you say was the biggest struggle you guys had? And then into Having Susan admit that I was right. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I think that only happened once, though. It was, yeah. Just getting the, trying to cram the story into, of course, parts of the story into the issues. What was going to be an issue number one, what was going to be an issue number two, three, and four, and so forth. Um, I think that was one of the dilemmas because we, once again, wanted to end on a cliffhanger. And then some of the scenes on the screenplay were, long, how do we condense that? What are we going to have to take out? What parts of the story in the screenplay are we going to have to change for the comic? Because um, the comic story and the screenplay, there's a lot of differences in them. There are two entities. And I think yeah. once we figured out that the comic was going to be a separate entity from the movie, that we couldn't make the movie into a comic, it had to be different. Um, it was less painful because it's your baby. The script mm-hmm. is your baby and you're leaving things out. And, oh, I love that scene and I like that line. And we had to realize it was two different things and we had to treat them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I guess uh, the next thing I did want to go ahead and ask, I mean, you guys did mention before um, that this was supposed to be a screenplay. Mm-hmm. So was this going to be live action or animated? 
and it was originally done for live action. And for my the way that I write, I would go ahead and visualize, you know, what actors I want to play certain roles. You know, so I go ahead and do their bios. I got the picture put up on, you know, these printouts, and then I hang it up on my wall. And that way, I can have a good point of reference. So it's always been visual uh, for a movie for me. Um, and just to put it into, uh, just to put it into a comment, I had to change everything. You know, some issues came up with like, you know, that's a good point. This is a good point. Well, because this story developed in my head when I was in college back in the 90s, early 90s. So, um, and a lot has changed since then, you know, with society, technology, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So it, I had to get up to it. Well, plus that we don't know how to do it. So yeah, yeah, and then that was the only thing that I that I knew was was live action. So let me pick your brain a little bit. You said you know live action. You had actors in mind. Who you know who do you have in mind for these characters? Um, now it's uh, kind of interesting because back then it was totally different, and then there are still some that I kind of liked. Um, initially, uh, the character of Kalos. Um, I initially visioned the uh, actor Michael Wincott, you know, the name, um, think of Top Dollar from the Pro. Okay. That was Michael Wincott. And then later on, once he was in the beginning, because um, he was very strong and silent, but with the development of the comic and, and having him play more of a role, uh, we changed it to, and uh, the name always kills me, um, your, uh, your guy, Luther. Oh, oh. It- uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we converted from him yeah. to I could him talk being for an hour just yeah. about him. I definitely see it. <laughs> but, but, but the thing I liked about that, and the reason why I chose that was because if it was ever to become a movie, um, Michael Wincott's voice and his voice are very, very distinctive. Plus, that's part of your process. Is one of the things you both have in common is we see, we see it. Like, we have different processes to to a certain extent when we write. He can write with music. He has to have music. It helps him. Um, That's my mood. <laughs> yeah, he can write in Paradise Bakery. I have to get up and walk around. It has to be quiet. But one of the things we both do is we'll act out scenes, and it's really visual. And I think yeah. imagining an actor in that part, not to say you wrote the part for that actor, but because it's visually helpful. When you're thinking about these scenes and you're going over in your head. If you're looking through the window, it's probably entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still so remember with Continuum, which I hope is our next comic, where we were acting out a gunfight. So he's behind the couch. And, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. I with my coke and my chicharrones yeah. and my <laughs> sunflower seeds. Those are my three necessities when I write. Yeah. And music. Yeah. And music, yes. And so. I need candy. So. And space to pace. So, yeah. She's a pacer. Yeah, everybody has, you know, different styles, different ways of getting in the mood, especially getting those creative juices flowing. Uh, actually, I have this question written down. So uh, what kind of music do you listen to uh, to get in the mood or get the juices flowing? It, it depends on what scene I want to write. If it's going to be an, an action scene, then, you know, metal, something fast-paced. And it also would depend on where that scene takes place. Because once again, I'm very visual. I go back to movies that I've seen before. You know, I'll look at, uh, think of a scene from The Matrix. What kind of music was playing then? You know, exactly. You know, um, there are some where it's a certain mood I want to listen to. One of my favorite pieces that I like to listen to when I write 
on one of the another features that I'm working on um, called Neptune Massive uh, is a score from the Halo soundtrack. Um, and I don't know what, well, I think it was Reach, but it's called Winter Contingency. And I love the opening of that song, of that, of that piece. And I play it over and over again. Susie, listen to this, listen to this. Doesn't it sound good? It doesn't sound like, like there's something about to happen. And I just described the scene to her. You know, she gives me this look like, I still can't listen to music. Anymore. Yeah, I can. You know, but for me, it sets the, the dramatic feel that I'm looking for, that I want to put down. So, you know, it would depend on not just the scene, but what's happening in that scene and where that you scene like is taking place. You like the I, I mean, love that is amazing. I love, Tron, Tron, Tron Legacy soundtrack. Yeah, yes. I love I love that soundtrack, but I still can't wait to it. I literally mm-hmm. agonize over every word and I can't describe it. And see, it wouldn't be the whole soundtrack. It would be certain pieces in there that fit that mood. I just don't listen to, you know, Pink Floyd's, you know, you know, Dark Side of the Moon all the way through because it's totally different, you know. So it had to be what I'm writing, what characters are talking, what's happening in the scene, what's the mood of the scene, and where does the scene take place. That determines that. Well, and it can't be messy. Yeah, my my office cannot yeah, be messy. Can't have, wherever we're writing, it, it can't yeah. be cluttered. There has I, to I can't be do it. Yeah. Because you, you'll have your hand on, and then paper will creep over here, like, oh, crap. Yeah. yeah, it's just so easy to get lost in something else. Yeah. And then I'll do that, like, oh, I need to try not to paper. And then, oh, that, you need to do this. And then, so my hour and a half of free time writing turned into an hour and a half of cleaning up my desk, and, oh, I got to go pick my son now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, this, this next question is, um, you know, for both of you. Um, in the book, you do throw in a Twilight, um, you know, reference <laughs> yeah. as a little joke. Susie's so a big fan of Twilight. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, give me some sparkly vampires. God. Um, but uh, what I did want to go ahead and ask you is, I mean, I feel like the Twilight series definitely changed the way that we view vampires as a society now. It totally destroyed them from, you know, Brand Strokers, Dracula, mm-hmm. um, all those. Right. Yep. You know, they're not ugly anymore. And so, with Twilight kind of destroying the reputation of vampires, did you guys have any anything you guys had any obstacles you guys had to overcome because of that? One of my biggest things, and chime in here whenever you want to, Susie, is that I, I actually did want to get away from that. Um, you know, Twilight they're you know high school kids, yep. so to speak. Um, and not to not to show because uh, because doing pretty well, Vampire Diaries, but. They're all good looking. They all got, you know, the chiseled jaw and everything like that. Um, and I wanted to get away from that. I mean, the ones in the comic and in, in the, in the script and everything like that, they're, they're not kids. They're not, they're adults with adult issues. It's not like, oh, you know, I need a boyfriend. Oh, I need a girlfriend. This and that. Or you were sleeping with this. No, it's based upon adult issues, politics, religion, racism. You know, it's, it's those major things and not to say that some younger folk don't, you know, chime into stuff like that, but I think they're, they're deeper issues, you know, and I think getting out of that, that young kids from making them older is something that maybe people, you know, my age, 45, you know, <laughs> um, would appreciate rather than, oh, it's a, it's a comic that I can read rather than something where it's a bunch of and, young and, vampires. And we make fun of Twilight and Vampire Diaries. 
salaries as we should. But <laughs> let's be honest, Good job. it made a lot of money. It mm-hmm. was successful. There was a market for it. Mm-hmm. And I think most things are streaming younger. It doesn't matter what it is. If they're streaming younger, everything is. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about vampires is there's different niches. There's the young sparkly, there's the um, so what was it? What we do in the shadows, which was a comedy. I love that. I love one. that one. And so I think there's room for everybody's different vampire. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's much fun as we want to make. Uh, what's her name? Stephanie Myers. Mayers mm-hmm. living a good life right now. Yeah. So you know, more power to her. But I think that's one of the great things about vampires. Mm-hmm. Stephen had their own take on it. And, exactly. And if people like it, great. If they don't, that's their opinion also. I mean, not everyone's gonna like this. I understand that. Right, you know, which they did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, look at look at Aunt May and the Spider Man. She's getting younger. Yeah, she's getting yeah. younger, and that I think that's just something we're going to be dealing with. I think she's going to be like the pregnant teenager. I think so too. We're like, wait, wait, I'm not used to this. <laughs> yeah, the original. So I think you know, it's part of society. She was very successful. It's not our mythology. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's room for everything. Perfect. And, you know, we are talking about how, you know, these vampires are different, how they're a little bit older, more rugged, rough around the edges. Um, I want to say, uh, your artist, I love his artwork. Um, I'm very picky about artwork when I pick up a comic book. It has to catch my eye. Definitely what I loved about the artwork, and you guys can give him my compliments. Um, it was like if Fiona Staples and Bruce Tim, they both met up and were like, hey, let's draw together. And boom, this is what the characters came out to be. And I really, again, I really love the artwork. I love all the colors, how they pop, even though it's a little bit, you know, um, grungy, but I love it. It works with the story. So when it comes to writing the story, writing out the script, how did you guys decide, like, this is a guy that we want to work with? He will be our artist, or this person will be our inker. That. That was really hard. We we looked for artists for a long time. We were at one con. We liked this guy's work. He takes commissions. Oh, that's great. And we were trying to talk to him about the comic. He literally turned around and walked away. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of the things was trying to find someone that. I'm sorry for no, no, you do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, that will take us serious. We didn't want it to be like, oh, here's another fan that's kind of doing another. Well, that was not. Yeah, that 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 was hard trying to convince someone that we were serious about this. You know, we weren't gonna say, "Hey, you want to do this comic for us for free, or we'll pay you, you know, twenty bucks." You know, it's you know, there were real offers that we extended out, and Susan was right. And the back of Susie, it was just kind of hard to find someone. Yeah, and then we we saw Matthew's art and loved it. And he was so approachable, and he liked the story. Super nice. And we're like you. The art is the first thing that grabs us. And I collect comics for the art because I love the art. And um, for us, it's always been story is king. But in the comic, it's visual, so you need to have a great artist. And he's, he's amazing. You give him a script, and all of a sudden, we get back this this masterpiece. And the color is from Robert Grove. Um, we, we did tell him we liked the blues and we gave him some blues and some reds for the back, but other than that, yeah. Uh, and then uh, a friend of ours who's wasn't a comic and she doesn't do so much comics um, anymore, but he's still um, in the industry, um, film industry, um, just goes on and on about um, Robert's use of black in the issue. Mm-hmm. There's different shades of black that he uses, and he's just 
goes on. It's like, you know, that, that's just even something that he can't, you know, want, he, he just loves, you know, and so coming from, coming from him, I thought that was just one of the best, you know, thumbs up that we could have gotten. And our letter, Alex Lieber, he came up with the uh, last couple of pages, the art piece, which shows you the process. Yeah. Because we love behind the scenes stuff. And I thought it, it was came up with the font right there too. Yeah. That's his font. And he, I mean, we got so lucky because we trust these guys um, and, and they're really just easy to work with. And, uh, all, you know, they, they're, they feel invested in it. And that's important. It shows. So that again, screenplay had that for a while. 
Um, so is this the first project um, on this grand scale, or you know, have you worked on other projects before? And this is for both of you guys. For us, I think this is our largest project that we've ever done. Um, we have sat down and done a fifteen-second short. Fifteen-second short, and yeah, second. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I think this was time-wise, money-wise. And you, that means that you did put your heart and soul into it, that you really cared for whatever project you're working on. But I mean, that's a good way you can actually, you know, grow. Exactly. It, it's funny because when I mean, you just said that, it reminded me of something I heard in uh, a Wednesday night uh, meeting. This was years ago. I bought the scripting for that. And there uh, <laughs> was feedback. And it's interesting because um, when it's in nature, there was one individual that was there. And apparently he thought that Susie had written this. So, I'm not going to say it as a question. Yeah, <laughs> but, so he yeah. went through this and says, yeah, Fernando, uh, you're, you're, you know, so cool with the shades, it's horrible. No one likes, you know, these characters, this and that. Then he got to hers, which actually was my script. And said, well, this was the next week. Oh, yeah, the next, next week. week. Yeah, next week. Susie, fantastic, phenomenal. Your characters come to life. I'm like, you fucking asshole. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and so now I'm in our joke of the market game. Pretty much. Anything I write in the Zeus stuff? No, it is. It's, 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 um, it's all subjective. It's all subjective. So, you know, like, uh, we like our short. Uh, we like our comment. Um, all we can do is prove ourselves to everybody. And I was just which uh, uh, has, you know, that's, that's classic, it's held up as being classic, it's, uh, you know, we define the genre, and it's always been when it's Okay, I'm with you on Scarface. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I would just long and me. I mean, Scarface needed a better editor, but it's Brian well, Brian DeFalco got in touch with it. I love the untouchables. Body Devil, which I Let's go do some good. It's okay. No, 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 no. I got it out of time. <laughs> no, I just like the Body Devil. I just love Brian DeFalco. <laughs> and um, the next question, I mean, this is kind of silly, but I just want to pick your brains a little bit. Who's your favorite superhero? 
at the time, when I was growing up, I picked the superhero of the Superman. Um, why? Invincible, super strength, this and that. Um, but as I got older and I saw, actually, um, Chris Nolan's uh, The Dark Knight Begins, a Batman picture he's getting it. Um, written by David Boyer himself. And I was kind of like, because I always knew the Batman story. But that story, when I got older, was like, okay, now it's a toss-up. Because you got something a little bit more deeper on the character level with Batman. Yep. Um, and as opposed to Superman, who was always in the first round. You know, but he does the right thing for the right reason. So it, I, those two are. So that, and then non-comic-wise, I mean, it, it depends, you know, 
as for anything else in the usually just articles that I would see. I'd like to them on Facebook and I'd send them over. So you always gotta read that. So it's like more about uh, scientists may figure out a flaw in like something you find with physics or, yeah. or wormholes or stuff like that. Yeah, early bubbles will be someone like that. Yeah, the paradox. Yeah. You know, just. Or out of two points, yeah. always read so it's just a completely different idea and just, yeah. I, I love physics. I love physics. I don't. Understand it completely. I'm not like super intelligent or smart, but we saw Neil deGrasse Tyson at a lecture in Phoenix. Oh, when he was at America. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I was like yeah. three hours, and wow. and I could have just sat there for another twelve hours just listening to that guy talk. Yeah, he was. He made it fun. Really. So stuff like that. The podcast. So podcast issues. Because I have an hour commute, so. I love Those 
inspired me to write these short stories and then seeing Star Wars and all that means space. Yes. <laughs> you know, more special effects, more stop motion and stuff like that. And that, that really, really got me into it. Um, but like Susan went through, I didn't know that that was really going to do it with him. I'm originally from Castle Grant. Um, and to my knowledge, I was in the back then and was still a small town. And I didn't know that I could go to school for some like the writing and film, and so that's something I never pursued. Um, I took like one film class, and then it wasn't until uh, a lot later in life I went to see uh, a film that was doing a uh, tenth anniversary screening at the Harvard Theater in Channel Fashion Square, and uh, I actually met. Writer that we just by heaven you know, talked about, and he said, You know, this one might have one who's good for him. Nothing, I couldn't help it myself. And so, this is what he did. So, he said that his, his degree was in literature, but he packed up everything he had in the little Toyota Corolla to go from Kentucky down to LA. Wow. And the movie that he wrote. Was turned down too many times before, you know, someone picked it up, and you know, it's a very well known movement in the day and age after that, and it was a huge success. Um, so it's like, after this, you know, this game, want to go find whatever's connecting software you can use for and write. And so, you know, finished the movie, next day, when you try to find it, picked up this thing called. Screenwriter 1. Point whatever, whatever, like 20 bucks, and what about the screenplay? And then I've just been. Yeah. I tend to battle sometimes. I'm sorry. No, I Which is good, and it shows yeah. obviously the story as well. And I think it's important I think that's what I, I think that was like. I wanted to do it. But I felt like I couldn't. And for someone that was in the industry to say, do it, I think that's what I did. I think everything Besides, you know, what you just went about, you guys just left on saying, you know, what advice or what would you give to young, you know, aspiring writers or authors that want to take off, you know, what you guys are on? Not many can say, you know, hey, I'm motion You know, it's up for sale. You You can rest your voice. I think just to keep doing it, you have to keep doing it. We went to a Comic Con, someone in the industry said, hey, you know, you got to keep coming back. I see people, and the people who are successful keep coming back. So you have to keep doing it. You have to open as much as you can. And what was helpful for us is the writers, writing solitary, solitary, um, and a lot of people listen to other people's stories and their feelings and comments. And Fernando's favorite piece of writing, which I understand, is to have a big thing. You do everything personal, but you do have to have a big thing. And if you want to do it, you say to people, never give up, never surrender. I guess you have to be, in a way, this sounds a little bit harsh, but 
these to rejection. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, like you know, like mentioned earlier, the Jackie said that object great art was So, you know, just be diverse in whatever you pick up and read. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a deep kind of inspiration. It's a kind of thing. I mean, for lots of podcasts, maybe, I would do the red meat. I mean, it's really fascinating. You never know when that's going to show up in one of our scripts or we're going to turn it on its head and we use it for something else. Did you um, find it difficult, you know? So many characters, not saying it's a bad thing, so many characters going on, so you know, you kind of put yourself in their shoes and be like, okay, this character would say this this way, this character would act this way, this is how this character is going to you know, say it. So, how do you guys manage all of that, handling everybody's different personalities? Just remember the Well, now in movies, you know, you do have a super, you know, you have a female character, 
movies are just as a love interest. I mean, Wonder Woman, I have hope for her. I think yeah. she's going to be a badass, but you don't really see it too much where female characters are strong and it's just very upsetting. So I'm glad you guys did that. And it, it's, they can be successful. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's rare. I think it's a lot hard to get the funny point of seduction out of my red. I don't know where it goes. Right, you're holding a quarter of that. Um, just by the the budgets and what the studio gets back in return for that, is that it's a uh, it's a lot harder for a female lead action movie to even break even than it is for a male lead action movie. You know? So I think because of that, a lot of the studios kind of shine away from that, that type of movie. I think um, the, one, the one thing that doesn't apply though is work. A lot of times the franchise. Right, yeah, exactly. And so I think before hopefully with kind of like, you know, uh, Wonder Woman, I think they've also done Captain Marvel, you know, um, and hopefully the new Alien movies, that that'll change, but not just make it as action, you know, but you got to remember, large demographic from movies, from what I'm, from what I'm reading, is, you know, male population, so you got to make it somewhat in the too. But I think you can, because I think men and women, and nowadays, Uh, when you know writing this book, what what roadblock did you have? Like, no, just scrap it, scrap it. That's not gonna work. Let's do it again. I think some of it was just the time to get together. Yeah, that was because I knew both have day jobs and other things outside of you know this Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not me. And right. basically, 
Guys, you know, we met up at the convention, so you guys taking some time out of your day while from writing so you can be there at the convention advertising the whole time. Right, and I was on call that day, yeah. and um, you know, who knew what was going to happen? I was in the middle of the six that and it's just, oh. it's, you know, we just got two kids, and every minute he's not with them, you know, it's showing them with your passion, you hope Budget was, you know, what do we have left at the 
In order to be successful, you need to have fat. Get on it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. And I mean, I guess one of the other questions I really, you know, want to ask you is, what can we expect from the next issue? What can you give out without giving out too much? Awesomeness. Sheer awesomeness. Action. Action. Your content. Yeah, I think we've set the story up. It's kind of like the first Batman. It's always the origin story has to be included. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can find him, he'll give you a comic too. 
Um, yeah, uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, yeah, our website. Twitter. Yeah, and uh, what's your Twitter handle? Oh, mine is Susie, S U Z Y underscore N T I. Mine's just Fernando underscore N T. Yeah, we're also on Instagram at Godwin underscore six. Godwin Yes! And I think mine on Instagram is. I think it's called Fernando underscore entity also. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to keep it consistent. Also, uh, Dark Elvis. Yeah, yeah. So he's Dark Elvis. And, um, but yeah, and find us at the con. Um, hit us up on Facebook with friendly folks. And, uh, we'll find out tomorrow how we did in the 15 second horror challenge. Fingers crossed. Mm. Fingers crossed for you guys. I'm hoping you guys did well. Oh, yeah, we also have YouTube. So check out that on our YouTube channel, Entity I, EYE. I'll definitely give you guys a thumbs up and subscribe on, on YouTube. Thank, thank you. All right, guys, we're wrapping up. So I did want to say thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Von Helvet. Uh, you can find um, and listen to this podcast on geekeliteradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook. That's where most of the action is, and that's where we interact with most of our fans. So that's uh, Facebook, just Geek Elite Radio. You'll find us there. And um, I do want to let you guys know, that uh, we just want to give you one last mes- message. Always remember to geek, geek out. out. <laughs> <laughs>